Hey everyone, I'm James Darnell, otherwise known as Pulse on the Internet, and welcome to Big Fight Feel, a podcast that looks to explore the colorful, sincere, and hard-hitting world of Joshi professional wrestling. Today's show covers quite a few things here as we have to get through the June shows for stardom, and we also get through the first week of July as we continue to catch back up with everything. We're also going to be talking about some TJPW stuff as they've introduced a new championship, and they have a pretty damn good-looking show coming up on August 25th at Corrigan Hall. So without further ado, let's get into today's show. Fucking Have you guys ever sat down to like record something or do something or maybe play a game or anything like that and you sit down and just like you cannot feel comfortable like there's like I don't know maybe it's the way I'm sitting or maybe it's just how I'm feeling today but I sat down to record this and I'm sitting here talking in front of my mic and I just feel awkward for some reason I'm not entirely sure why uh, but I am excited to talk about everything we got to talk about today, especially because we have a ton of stuff to cover. Four shows in one episode as we continue to catch up on stardom here. We're going to be talking about the Osaka day-night split from June 22nd. We're going to talk about Shimane, which was in June 23rd. Sorry, these dates are kind of crazy because it's already August as I'm continuing to try to catch up here with everything like that. I haven't even seen Jamie Hayter perform yet. We're almost there. I think she came in about mid-July, so I believe she should be on the next show and then I also checked out the first week of July, which is the Takauka show, which uh, all of these shows, all in all, to be honest with you, there was not a lot of blowaway stuff. I think I had a few recommended matches in here for the most part, but uh, the Saki homecoming was a little disappointing, especially when you look at the other homecoming shows, especially like Konami's was really, really good, you know? It's like you kind of see this one and I don't know, it just didn't perform like I wanted it to. And it's not like I didn't enjoy, like I enjoyed the ending of, uh, you know, of Saki and Stars. I didn't mind TCS dropping the Artist of Stardom Championships just because I assumed that, you know, at the Nagoya show that they were going to win the tag team titles. And of course, I'm not going to be talking about the Nagoya show yet, but of course they ended up winning the Goddesses title in, in Nagoya with Kiona and Konami. So I didn't exactly... I don't know. I didn't exactly have an issue with them dropping the titles, and I thought it was a, a fun moment for Saki, but the show overall was just like a little... Uh, and we'll talk about it. We'll get into detail about why I felt that way and things like that. But four shows, a lot of stuff. TJPW had a ton of stuff going on, too. I'm catching up on that. They have a huge show coming up on August 25th in Corican. We're going to be talking about all those details, too. So uh, without further ado, like I said, let's talk about uh, let's talk about everything around the Joshi universe, brother. So I finally got around to checking out some of the uh, Sari matches that I've been wanting to check out because I haven't been able to. Uh, and and of course, this was a few weeks ago. I think I watched these like three, three and a half so weeks ago. <laughs> like I said, timetables and all that kind of stuff. But you know, I haven't talked about it on the podcast yet. Or I don't believe I have. Uh, but yeah, I ended up watching a few of those and dude... Man, she's sick. Like these matches were just incredible. I watched I watched uh, Suri versus Chihiro Hashimoto and Suri versus Dash Chisako and dude, these matches were 
nuts. The Hashimoto match was just blow away. Like I have a little list that I keep up with, like with my matches of the year. And like the second I finished that match, I was like, <laughs> I'll be putting that into that. And I like the dash one a ton too, but no, man, the Hashimoto was just blow away, dude. It was sick. It was just absolutely mental. They beat the brakes off each other for like half an hour. Like I had some downtime at work and that's when I watched it. Uh, I was on YouTube and I was looking stuff up and I was like, oh, I found this channel and it had, and I was like, oh, sweet. Because for some reason, Sendai Girls just refuses to make it simple <laughs> to watch anything that they do. Um, thankfully, you know, when they collaborate with people like DDT and things like that, makes it a little easier because it's on DDT Universe. Um, but overall, I do not make it very simple, but like, these are, these are the type of matches that I've just like fallen in love with, you know, just these beat down drag out brawls, like even the dash one, you know, it was more like a brawl than anything. The Hashimoto one was just like, let's die, baby. <laughs> and I'm all about like That's, it's weird, man. Because if you would have asked me like, I don't know, half a decade ago, maybe a little more, even like my favorite matches bar none were like the flippy dough matches in PWG, you know, like the ones where they're just like, oh, he's going crazy. Ricochet's doing all this kind of crazy stuff. And it's just, I think that kind of came to be because of the way that wrestling had been presented like the few years before that. Um, you know, I watched TNA. TNA was actually something I really, really watched a lot. You know, TNA was something I watched a lot, especially uh, on the way up here on YouTube and things like that. I was just super into it. Um, so those matches were already kind of different than what WWE was presenting at the time. But I don't know, PWG from like 2012. And it's weird because PWG and New Japan at the same time kind of like kind of popped off it, from from like 2012 to like 2015, 2016 or so. PWG was just undefeated, man. It was just like completely different. The aura was crazy. Like everyone was having their best performances uh, of like their, their entire careers at PWG and they just had all this talent and no one was, you know, they were all free to do whatever they want and, and perform how they wanted. And then just like that, like Triple H snapped his fingers, bam, bada boom, half of them are in WWE, half of them are in AEW, half of them can't perform on PWG anymore. It's just like, dude, I don't know what happened there, but damn. Like, I guess it was maybe Triple H wanting to start his own PWG. He's like, yeah, we'll do NXT yeah, just like PWG. It's just, I don't know. It's kind of cool to to see how your tastes kind of get refined over time as you become a, more of a wrestling fan. You know, it's either most people either they watch wrestling, get tired of it and quit, or they watch wrestling, get tired of it, find something else, and then they get more into that. And it's kind of just interesting to see how my how my taste has refined over time. I always really enjoy like just hosses just beating each other up, but I like really really gotten into it recently. And uh, you know, you never really know what you super enjoy until you find it. And like I said, Suri and Hashimoto went directly on my match of the year candidate list. Like I, I don't usually keep those. I don't think I've ever I've like remembered a few of my matches of the year, you know. But I've never like really kept a list of things like that and you know i don't know if i'll be able to actually just pick one off the the list you know <laughs> that's going to be like my biggest thing is like trying to figure out which one of these matches is truly my match of the year but this one was absolutely one of my favorites the the, the three yuranagis are just like fucking lethal like i was like every time i was like wow <laughs> i mean like i said the dash one was sick but Hashimoto and, and Sari just beat the brakes off of each other, man. I still think about that kick to the back of the head that Sari hit Hashimoto with. Like, that was just brutal.
We also had Maki Ito turning 24 years old, and to celebrate, she took a Twitter video of her shooting a, well, a uh, party popper into her mouth, which is really weird to say, but you know what? It's uh, Maki Ito, and you can't really expect anything less. She's a true legend out here, you know? Uh, also, some information on, on Ito-chan. Ito actually uh, recently disbanded the Ito Respect Army during a uh, TJWP... <laughs> TJPW show, the Summer Carnival show here recently. Uh, she faces Mizuki on the August 25th Corican show. So that's, that's that whole card is starting to get really, really nuts. Uh, but Maki said that she ended up splitting up the army because she envies Mizuki. And she said she's not going to let this good match fuel go to waste. But there is still an Ito Respect Army as there is now the Neo Ito Respect Army with Chris Brooks as he'll be kind of heading all that kind of stuff there. But speaking of Chris Brooks, his Twitter account got banned. And then it got unbanned. <laughs> Thankfully, he, he got it recovered and all that. And I even had a little conversation with Chris, Chris Brooks on Twitter. And uh, it was cool. Like, I talked to him about doing a YouTube video. He's, he said he wanted to, but I'm pretty sure it was just banner and we won't do a YouTube video. But, you know, I thought it was pretty neat that he at least entertained the idea or whatever the case may be. So maybe it might not happen anytime soon, but maybe sometime down the line. I think it would be really, really cool to get, to get Chris Brooks on. We can talk about DDT and his whole big run there. And I think it would be a fun time. And I think, uh, you know, I think he would have a good time. I know I would. Yeah, I know he would too. Uh, speaking of TJPW, I actually got caught up on this recently. They had the Nagoya show on July 12th that I ended up watching the other night. Had a really good main event between Neo Bashikigun and uh, the Bakaretsu sisters. And that was a lot of fun. I mean, the crowd got into it. Like the home stretch of the match was just fantastic. I mean, it was really, really good. And like there were some desperation spots thrown in there that really kind of made you question for a second. Like, is Neo Bashikigun really about to lose the titles on their first defense? And like, obviously no you know what i mean like obviously no but but it's just like when you have a match and you have a first defense especially when it comes to pro rest and things like that the best you can ask for is like being able to get a few desperation spots in there to make you question if they're actually going to lose it and like they didn't but there was times where i was like oh maybe they can get it here so i thought that was just like really dope like i thought it was a good match I ended up doing a good job uh, Nadoka is just like super sweet, man. Like, I, I don't know. There's just something about her. She's just really easy to get behind. Uh, but TJPW also really, uh, recently, actually, I don't even think they've, I think they're crowning the champion on the August 25th show. They introduced a new championship into the mix called the international princess title. And from the name, I can only assume that this is going to be like, I guess a way for them to have a championship to send someone over to like AEW or, you know, TJPW uh, works with anyone from the States. Cause from what I understand, DDT is looking to get more into a Western expansion. So I can only assume that they created this title for that and to kind of give the mid card something else, which I'm totally cool with. Um, at the same summer, summer carnival show we talked about earlier, they had a four way match to determine the Japanese representative for the title match at, on the August 25th Corkin show. And, uh, not not, now, Sumi Maki ended up winning that match, and it was cool because she was actually wearing Kyrie Zane's gear that she gave to her before she left to go to the WWE, which is like the sweetest thing in the world. Uh, I don't, I don't remember who she's supposed to face, but she's facing a guy Jean, and it's going to be at the August twenty fifth Cork and Show, and that'll determine the first international princess champion. Now. Like I said, I'm not entirely sure what that means. Um, I assume, like I said, it's for that. I almost thought that maybe it sounded like the Stardom SWA title, but I don't think it'll have restrictions. I don't think they've said that it has restrictions like that, where it has to be against someone from a different nationality. I don't, I don't think they've announced any restrictions like that. 
I kind of hope they don't. It like. I feel like with the amount of championships that stardom has, like it's a very good idea if you're going to have that many championships to put some restrictions on them just because every, you know, if you don't, then every single title is going to feel the exact same. Um, but I don't think that TJPW necessarily needs to put any restrictions on this. I think if they just had, you know, some sort of title that uh, like the top echelon there, like uh, Miu and Shoko and, and uh, you know, those type of people that I don't think like you need, I don't think you need to put restrictions on it just yet. Maybe in the future, but definitely not right now. And like I was saying about the August 25th show, um, they actually announced that Sue Young was going to be at these shows, which is, she's actually going to be at a couple shows. She'll be at the August 25th Corkin show, but she'll also be there in September, I believe, on the Osaka show. And like, this is sweet because on August 25th at the Corkin show, she's going to be facing off against Yuka Sakazaki. And then on September 1st in Osaka, she's facing off against Maki Ito and Sue Young rules, man. Sue Young really does. I mean, she killed Allie in Impact. <laughs> she died. <laughs> That's dope. Like, Sue Young is a very interesting character. She's quite a good worker, too. She brings a lot to the table. And to be honest, I have no idea what a Sue Young versus Yuka Sakizaki match looks like. And I got absolutely not even one singular bit of an idea of what Sue Young versus Maki Ito looks like. Not even a little bit. And I would be lying if it was that it didn't have me more intrigued than I would be in the first place if they just announced Sue Young and didn't announce who she was facing. Because like I said, Sue Young is a very interesting worker. She's just she's pretty damn solid. And she's in the ring with two of my favorite workers in Joshi Pro Rest right now. So I'm very excited to see what they can come up with here. I would also like to maybe start including TJPW reviews in some of these episodes. Uh, just because I'm starting to catch up and, and TJPW actually doesn't run that many shows, especially compared to Stardom, who I feel like has been running an astronomical amount of shows lately. It's been crazy. Uh, but I would like to hear from you guys maybe on Twitter or my Discord or whatever the case may be. Uh, I don't know. I know a lot of people here watch Stardom, obviously, because that's kind of what we've just been covering mainstay for a while. Um, but I'm just interested to see if anyone actually keeps up with TJPW or even if you don't, if you would maybe like me to cover it and kind of talk about it and explain it in a way where maybe you don't need to exactly watch it and you can kind of just get the idea of what I'm saying. I feel like I do that pretty well right now, um, but I just don't want to overload stuff for you guys. You know, I don't want to start putting in a bunch of stuff that you guys don't exactly keep up with and, you know, kind of disparage an audience or whatever the case may be. But there are a few ways we can do it. You know, I can have episodes that are just dedicated to TJPW or episodes that are just dedicated to stardom or, you know, I can put them all in one episode or I can keep doing it like I'm doing right now where I kind of just kind of go over the TJPW stuff and talk about the things, which is probably the way I'll end up doing it is I, I'll just talk about the stuff from TJPW that I watched that I enjoyed or things that you need to know and things like that and just kind of keep the stardom as it is right now. Uh, and I might even start throwing in other promotions as the case may be. I just think Stardom and TJPW are the easiest shows to watch and get into just because of how easy they are to get to get a hold of. But if you have any insight on anything that I just said, like I said, feel free to get with me on Discord or on Twitter, uh, discord.gg forward slash pulse or twitter.com forward slash cmpulse, C-M-P-U-L-S-3. And speaking of Corkin shows, uh, we got some pretty big news here for uh, Stardom, who has a Corkin show coming up, coming up here soon. They actually signed the former ace of Gato Move, which is Amy Sakura's promotion. Uh, Riho is coming to Stardom. And from what Dave Meltzer said, uh, she will be exclusive to Stardom in Japan, uh, even though right now she's still the Queen of Asia champion and she's working a TJPW show soon. Uh, but the TJPW show she's working, she's like working undercard. I think 
I can't remember who was in the match with. I think Shoko was in the match. Or maybe it was Miyu. Someone's in the match, but it's an undercard match. Under, undercard tag match, from what I understand, unless they change it. Uh, so it's not like she's working anything crazy, and that's the only TJPW show I believe that I saw her booked on. And the rest of it is Stardom, and then uh, AEW, of course. Uh, Riho actually did an interview here recently with Weekly Pro Wrestling Magazine in Japan, where she said that she expects to work AEW one week a month going into you know the TV taping, or <laughs> live TV. I still always say, even when it's live TV, I still call it TV tapings, because that's just how I am. Um, but I believe she's working one week a month in AEW so that'll be interesting I didn't expect her to work into the TV tapings to be honest but I guess she was signed to five matches she's had what three matches so she's at least got two on the five match contract that AEW was given out before um, but I do know that in Japan she'll mostly just be working stardom um, from what I understand she might work Makai or whatever the case may be but for the most part it's just stardom uh, and then AEW in America. So I'll be at All Out. So I kind of hope she does that. She doesn't have any Japanese dates scheduled for, for the All Out date, which is August 31st. She actually has a pretty big gap. I believe the last, she works the August 25th show. And then uh, she doesn't work until the 7th of September. So that, that's a pretty big gap. So I think maybe she'll be at All Out. And I hope she is. I'd love to see her there uh, You know, when I end up going or whatever. But from what I understand, Riho working stardom, she'll be joining Queen's Quest, which, you know, it sort of makes sense, like, if you don't think about it whatsoever. Like, if you think about it more in logistics, like, okay, Stars is pretty, like, sacked. They can't really add anybody here. Um, okay, so she's not going to go to Stars because of that. So if you think about it in that sense, like, real-life logistics of, like, her coming to the company, then sure. But if you think about it, like, I, she radiates so much stars energy it's nuts like definitely don't look at Riho and her toy story hat hanging out at disney with yuka sakazaki you know in her little dress being the nicest person ever you know she's got that queen's quest edge brother you just gotta th just don't think about it whatsoever she's got that edge dude <laughs> it's just weird to me that that she ended up in queen's quest because like when i think of Riho and stardom like i totally think her hanging out with mayu and just you know hanging out with dogs and, and giving high fives and that's all i think about when i think about that but i you know i think queen's quest will be a good spot for Riho too she's super talented her at least her talent fits the uh kind of mantra of, of queen's quest so i you know it, in the at the end whatever it doesn't it's not the end of the world wherever she goes but it was just something that i was thinking about also speaking about mayu uh she posted on instagram here recently i don't know if any of you guys caught that uh, I don't even know if it's still up on her page, to be honest with you, but I know that she posted on Instagram a little bit ago, and uh, she had a little heart-to-heart -heart with everybody, which was a very uh, interesting post, to, to say the very least. Uh, Mayu ended up posting, it wasn't even a picture, it was just like a red image, and uh, she kind of talked about her struggles with depression and, and how she is now compared to how she was like three years ago. And, you know, Mayu is someone who is like, she's very special, and I, and I think not only to me but to a lot of people and and you know i've only for the relatively short time that i've known mayu or known about her um but she's very special to the thousands and thousands of people who know her too you know like there will never be another mayu iwatani ever like she is like most she is the most naturally likable person that i think i've ever come across in my entire time watching wrestling i cannot think of one single person that like anyone like even if you do if you don't watch wrestling for five seconds in your entire life, 
and I showed you Mayu, you would like her. Like you see her once and you're like, yes, whatever she is doing, I want her to succeed in it. And that's a very special trait and it's something that she just naturally has. It's just something that she just naturally radiates and not a lot of people have that ability. And it's very cool. You know, she talked about, she saw her, she saw the stardom documentary, the one that we covered here on the podcast. Uh, if you guys missed that, you can go check that out. Uh, but she talked about that and she talked about how she just watched it. You know, of course the documentary was filmed a, like two and a half years ago or so. So it was filmed a, quite a bit ago. Things were a lot different. Uh, but she talked about that and talked about how bad her depression was at that point. She said she was on medicine and nothing was helping and she seemed hopeless and she ended up saying that, uh, you know, she ended up saying, which was really cool. You know, I'm glad to hear this. She ended up saying that while things were super bad at that point in her life, that things are a lot better now compared to then. And she feels a lot better. She also said that she doesn't have any AC in her house currently. And I feel like maybe this is why she was talking about this kind of stuff because she's going a little wonky. But I'm glad that I'm glad that things turned around for Mayu because, you know, Mayu makes me very happy. And I just I just really really don't want to see her in any sort of I don't know mental strain over this kind of stuff you know like she's too talented and just too good a person I just I just don't want her I I just really don't like seeing that she's upset you know like I don't like seeing that anyone that I know is like that you know I've gone through stuff like that so it's just like it's tough and I and I know it's tough and I just hope that everything turns out okay for her we also had Stardom announce the five-star Grand Prix blocks, and they are as follows. We get the, the full announcement. We get the blue stars and the red stars. That's kind of how they split up the blocks here instead of A block and B block. Below. We got blue and we got red, brother. So the blue block, the blue blue block, blue blue block is Kagetsu Konami, Arisa Hoshiki, Andras Miyagi, Utami... U- <laughs> Utami Hayashista. We got Jungle Kiona, Toronatsuka, B Priestoli, and Jamie Hayter. It's a pretty big block, but I think red block is like kind of nuts. Like blue block is crazy, but red block is kind of nuts. So red block has Mayu Iwatani, Momo Watanabe, Hana Kimura, Hazuki, Tom Nakano, Saki Kashima, Natsu Sumire, Casey Owens, and Avery. There was actually a little bit of an issue with Casey Owens where she couldn't get a visa, but I don't know what's going on now because she posted a video and she was really upset that she, you know, she couldn't get that visa figured situation figured out before she'd come over to Japan and, and work this Grand Prix. But she ended up deleting the post and everything. And I don't know if that's maybe because she figured out how to get the visa worked out or she's just like, I'm coming over here and I'm wrestling and this motherfucker, let me tell you something. I don't exactly know what happened, but something definitely happened. And uh, I guess we'll wait to hear about that. A lot of people were saying if Casey Owens goes out, who do you replace her with? And I think a couple of the popular names were, of course, Riho, who would only we actually had a little discussion about this in my discord. I think uh, there's a guy named Sprite in the discord, and I think he said that she would only miss one or two shows. So that means you could kind of um, figure out a way to put her into like the buy rounds and things like that. But another popular name was, of course, the girl, Saya Ida. <laughs> like, I'll be honest with you, either one's okay with me. Like, uh, Saya Ida is, is cool with me too. She'll take some L's, but, you know, just being in there, having a rub against all these people is just like, a, it's, a good, it's a good chance for her. I think so, at least. Some things to point out about this this five-star Grand Prix this year is, uh, you know, 
<laughs> well, Kiona's winning, baby. There's that. You know, Kiona's already winning. Another thing to point out, though, is that uh, Momo and Hannah are actually in the same block. We talked about it on the podcast here before, uh, but them being in the same block changes things a little bit. Because my idea was that, you know, Momo will win block B or whatever the case may be, and Hannah will win block A. But things are changed. You know, things that, that kind of nixes everything that I was thinking right there. Uh, this also means that the entire dynamic of the red block changes a lot. Because I think that some mind games will be going down now that Momo and Hannah are in the same block. I definitely think one of them will win this block, honestly. Um, whether it's Momo or Hannah, we'll have to wait and see. But I definitely think that this entire tournament is going to be them trying to kind of mess with each other and kind of fuck each other over and try to figure out who can get who and that their feud continues. Like, you know what I mean? I think that's definitely going to be what's going on here. Hannah has been hanging around pretty much with the tippy top talent. She's kicking out of everything. She's looking really strong recently. And this is only good news for Hannah. You know, she's definitely going to perform in this tournament, I think. Uh, Kiona and Natsuko are also in the same block, which means that someone's going to fucking die out here, which is good news. It's always good news to see. I I'm just excited to get some more Kiona and Natsuko stuff because uh, recently or throughout the whole year, pretty much so far, Natsuko has been kind of putting the bricks to Kiona, especially in their earlier kind of matches and things like that. Um, cause Kiona was like giving Natsuko a little bit of leeway because I think Kiona was like, come on, Natsuko, like, don't be a big bitch about this stuff. But she was like, I'm going to do what I want to do. Cause I'm a widow. So maybe things will turn out a little different here in uh, the grand prix this year, but Kiona and Andras also have their little thing going on right now. Kiona and Utami still have their thing going on right now. What I'm trying to say is, is that jungle Kiona is fucking enemies with everyone in this tournament and she's got like all of them in her block. So I just want to keep that up for discussion here i think that they're you know i look i'm not trying to say that kiona is going to win the grand prix i am trying to say that but maybe not i'm just saying that there is a chance that she does i'm not saying it's big i'm not saying you know it's astronomical by any means but there is definitely a chance and a chance is all you can ask for as a jungle kiona fan because for god's sakes i do not want her to just zero out of this tournament I don't want that to happen. And there's a chance that that happens, but it's even smaller than her winning. So you know what? I'm gonna keep my hopes up. I'm gonna keep my hopes up. And I'm just gonna hope that she comes out on top here. I don't think so. I still think Momo or Hannah will end up winning this tournament for whatever the case may be. Uh, but, you know, that's always up there. If I had to pick a winner from blue um, to face off against whoever it is from red, whether it's Hannah or Momo, uh, you know, when you look at it down the list here, I, I like Kagetsu is just a safe. She's just safe because no matter who wins the red block, if they face off against Kagetsu, it's going to be a good match. You know, you got B in there. You got a in there. So you got your red and white belt champions in the blue block. And it's crazy to think that with both your champions in the blue block, the red block is still stronger. That's kind of nuts to think about, but Kagetsu winning blue block would make a lot of sense because then you could have Momo or Hannah face Kagetsu and whatever the case may be there, it'll be a good match. And Kagetsu's kept strong and then you can continue to use Kagetsu in situations like this later on in the year. I mean, at the end, at the end of the day, Kagetsu is still Kagetsu and it doesn't exactly matter. But just having that option there is definitely like something for sure. So red block is a little... While it's it, while red block maybe is a little easier to pin down the people that you think are going to win, 
I think blue block's a little more open in that sense. Like I could see Konami winning. I could. Um, but I think Kagetsu's just kind of like the safer pick here. I like I said, Kiona. If Kiona look, if Kiona wins this block, I'm gonna lose my marbles. It, it I I now let me say this. If Kiona wins blue block, then I think that Momo wins red block, and then you could have another rematch. Sadly, I think that if it comes down to that, that Kiona would probably lose again to Momo, which I st I still kind of question her losing in March, even though that match was, oh my God, it was so good. Also a match that's on my match of the year list. But this Grand Prix, I got to get, okay. So you know what? Next episode, or maybe an episode in between the next episode or something like that, I need to get someone up here. And we're going to break down the five-star Grand Prix and kind of go, we're kind of, we'll just kind of take a whole episode. Maybe I'm not too sure if I'll even do this, but it's something that's kind of floating around. The idea is floating around in my head. Maybe if you guys want to tell me if you have something you'd be interested in, we'll just take the entire tournament and we'll just try to do all the matches and try to figure out who comes out on top, why, and you know, who, who wins this and that. And we'll see how things kind of play out and, and see who comes out on top of the five-star. That sounds like something that'd be fun to do. Maybe I can get a guest up here and we can talk about that. Uh, I just got to find other people with good microphones that watch Joshi. That's actually more difficult than it should be. So we'll talk about more about the five-star Grand Prix uh, on, on a more, I guess, future episode <laughs> where we'll, we'll we'll break it down, down by down here now that we got the blocks and everything like that. Um, but Stardom also recently announced uh, Fire Pro Wrestling World DLC. If you guys don't play Fire Pro, Why? It's, it's fucking dope. You would really like it. Uh, the DLC is going to feature 10 wrestlers and the stardom ring from what I understand right now. I don't know if it's going to have any championships in the game or not. I assume it will at least have championships for the wrestlers that have championships like Arisa. So Mayu was the first one that was officially announced, but Arisa just kind of also got announced by accident or something. But... We have also seen a few things. So we know that Mayu and Arisa are in the game. So that's two of the 10 right there. We also know that Momo, Kagetsu, Jungle Kiona, Starlight Kid, and Utami Hayashista are also in the game as they did voiceovers for the game. So that brings it to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people. So we have three people left to be announced. And that will be announced actually, shoot, by the time this video goes up. I don't know. Maybe maybe it'll be announced. It's going to be announced at the August 10th Corkin show. So... Uh, I'm recording this before the August 10th Corkin show, just for anyone that understands, uh, you know, dates and things like that. But it's going to be announced then. Uh, and I'm thinking maybe that the last three will be Hannah because I just I cannot imagine her not being in the DLC. I truly can't. And just because there's only one TCS member in this right now, and that's Jungle. So I think Hannah will be the next one. I think Hazuki will be the other i think the second one that's going to be announced because i there's only you know kagetsu is the only oedo tie member so with hannah hazuki that brings tcs to two oedo tie to two and that brings qq to two and then that brings stars to three so i was thinking maybe the last person is going to be either konami or b Pristoli, but that one's really kind of a toss-up. I think Hannah and Hizuki are pretty much guaranteed. 
as much as it could be guaranteed, like a, a good 80 to 90%, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and then the last one is just up in the air. I truly have no clue who they could possibly do for that last one, but we'll kind of see. Maybe it's Lee Hole. <laughs> if it's anything like the New Japan DLC, like I said, we'll get the championships. Hopefully, we get some championships. At least the Wonder of Sardom championship would be super dope. That's kind of why I'm kind of hoping that B is in it, just because I want the red belt in there too. So if we get the red and the white belt, uh, if... Konami, but the thing is, if Konami's in it, then Jungle's in it, then maybe the Goddess's title could be in it. Maybe they just throw all the championships in there anyways. I don't think there's a story mode that's going to be for this. It would be dope, but I don't think there's going to be. Uh, but maybe that's a good thing. Because I think the price from what I read was like the, the DLC should be around like $20. Don't quote me on that. But that's from what I understand. That's what I saw. And I'm totally fine with paying that. But it'll be interesting to see if others who really aren't into stardom are willing to pay $20 for characters that, you know, nuke butt on the community creations he creates some pretty damn good characters so it'll be interesting to see if uh people are willing to pay uh 20 for that kind of stuff so now let's get to the bell to bell action here we're going to be starting off with the osaka day show here for stardom as we go down the list and all the way the takauka show down at the bottom so we're kicking off the day split in Osaka. You know how these day-night split shoots get. I mean, you guys know how this kind of stuff goes. Like, you don't ever expect nothing too crazy. Like, these day-night splits are just kind of fun things to watch. Um, the, I don't believe there was anything too wild. Well, actually, there was some pretty good stuff. I mean, match quality-wise, there was. And there was this uh, moment after the movie we talk about. So, we kick off the Osaka day show. We got Death Yamasan versus Saya Ida, you know. Uh, and I... And, you know how these these beginning matches. You know how these Saya matches go at the beginning. It's just uh, you know Saya gets a little bit of offense and uh, she ends up losing. She goes with Idabashi, they kick out. You know Death ends up getting the W here. You know how these beginning matches go. I feel like you guys understand that Saya always is just super fun to watch. Her drop kicks are nuts. Like she really brings some heat. She's got a lot of flavor. You know, I got a lot of respect. And speaking of the Fire Pro stuff we were just talking about, Death Yamasan should have been in there. If they could get her, I don't know if they're going to do a follow-up DLC. But, bro, we've been talking about it for, for a couple episodes now. Death Yamasan needs to be in the game with the pose, dude. The default pose. Oh, my God. She was born to be in a video game. She's got a little, little devil horn stance, and she does a little death. I mean, she was born to be in this DLC. So, while I don't think she'll be in this DLC here, I think that maybe if we get a follow-up pack or something like that, you know, they've done it a few times in New Japan. Death Yamasan needs to be in that sucker. So Death ended up being Saeed on the Osaka Day Show at the beginning of the match there. Uh, the second match, we go into a tag team match. We have Tom Nakano. We got Starlight Kid, and they're facing off against Andras Miyagi and Natsuko Tora. Uh, Andras had one of her new shirts on, but it was all cut up. And you guys know, look, I don't know how wrestlers do this stuff. I don't know if you guys have ever tried to cut a t-shirt by yourself before. I've tried to just, look, I've tried to cut off the sleeves. I'm not even talking about cutting, like, the bottom pieces into shreds or anything like a lot of these wrestlers do. I'm talking about I try to cut the sleeves off. I just straight up fucking ruined that shirt, by the way. Like, I don't know if I hit the inseam or something or I hit some sort of seam here down the shirt. Bro, I ruined this shirt. I I never, that shirt was like $25. It was just like a, a, a Under Armour shirt or something. And I, like, cut it and I was just like, bro, I messed up. I done done the thing. So I never do that stuff. So whenever I see a wrestler come in the ring and they got this cut up shirt like Andras had, I'm just like, that's dope, dude. Because I definitely could not do that whatsoever. You know, a lot of the WWE women do it too. And I always wonder, you know, first off, how? Uh, second off, how long did that take you? Because I'm like a surgeon on the table just trying to cut the sleeves off. I'm just like, okay, if I cut here, then this goes here. It's just... Oof. 
I mean, maybe maybe I'll give it a go again. I do have that same Andras shirt. I actually bought I actually bought the Andras shirt that she has the white one that says uh, "Go to Hell" on. It. <laughs> um, I actually have that one, the uh, the white one, even though it's slightly pink now because you know, I washed it with other colored clothes. I was stupid. I don't know what I was thinking there, but I like that shirt. It's cool. It's dope. But maybe I cut the sleeves off and and try to give that a go there. I was actually gonna buy the other Andras shirt that went up. She has a black one that went up on the store, but. $40. It's just like, I have no, like I've paid, I've paid quite a bit of money for shirts. Like I, I have no issue paying 30 some dollars for a t-shirt, but if I'm paying 30 some dollars for a t-shirt, man, I need it to be a little higher quality. I'm talking 60, 40 split, a really nice design. Um, you know, I'm gonna have, to, I want a premium shirt for $30 and for the, the and the stardom shirts are just like, a hundred percent cotton like it cost them eight dollars to make you know what i mean like dog that's rough that's rough rough forty dollars plus shipping so to get that one undraw shirt it would cost me damn near sixty dollars and it's just like dude i can't do that <laughs> i can't maybe if i can figure out some way to get free shipping i believe if you order on the store anything over 250 dollars, then you get free shipping but dog i can't if the shirt was like a 60 40 split something like that then we're talking a little something crazy but 40 bucks no 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 so in this tag team match here we had both teams scuffle for a little bit andras ends up hitting starlight kid with a power driver and then hits a swanton off the top rope and oedo tai has actually been doing pretty damn well recently you know they kind of fell off especially around the time that tcs was kind of making their comeuppance i guess they're, they're their way up the the roster here but things are kind of turning around. Like Natsu's winning matches, Andras is winning matches, Kagetsu is hanging out. You know, it's just like they're they're doing stuff. All right, they're doing stuff. You know, I I like that Andras is actually getting W's. She's getting T-shirts, even though they might be super expensive for no reason. She's talking a lot more. I love Andras a lot. So it's just super nice to see kind of things on the upswing for Andras because she wasn't really doing much for the for the beginning of the year. You know, she spent most of her time just not talking and making weird little signs. And even when she was in matches, she was just taking, you know, she wasn't doing very much. She wasn't like using any moves. She was just kind of hanging out. She's kind of like the, the, the kind of the bruiser there. And she wasn't, just, it wasn't like too crazy, but she's kind of been coming out recently. The swanton she hit here was nasty and it was, it was, oof, it was on Starlight Kid. Okay, Kid is very small. Andras is very not. Andras is like a titan in the ring compared to Starlight Kid. And it was one of those Jeff Hardy type swantons. You know, you know you, I don't need to say anymore. You already know what I'm talking about. You know, when Jeff comes off the top rope and he's just like, you know what, man? Instead of landing on the side of you, I'm just going to fucking destroy your sternum. It was one of those. And the size difference between Andras and Starlight Kid, phew, I'm talking that was tough. <laughs> that was tough, tough. Uh, but you know, Andras looking good. Yeah, I can I can respect that. So we move on to the third match here. We have Zaya Brookside versus Tony Storm. We have cop on cop brutality, bro. You love to see it. This is actually my first time seeing Zaya Brookside work in stardom. Period. I don't think I've ever seen her work before other than this match. Um, but you knew how this was gonna go. You know, it's just a WWE versus WWE match. They did some uh, you know, world of sport inspired spots, which kind of makes sense because Zaya is the daughter of Robbie Brookside, who was an original world of sport worker. Uh, so it makes sense that she's kind of taken over that little bit. I don't think that she's great, but she definitely is okay. 
I mean, out of the Gaijin that are in there right now, I think my favorite right now, I have to see, uh, I've seen Jamie Hayter work actually outside of stardom, but I haven't seen her work in stardom. Um, I, if you want to include that, then I think Jamie and Zoe would probably be like the two top Gaijin that are in there right now. If you don't include like B, because I kind of just, I, I, at this point, I just kind of, she's just stardom. You know what I mean? She's not just coming in for a tour or whatever. She, she is stardom. She signed full time. I, it's just different. And I think my problem with Tony. So I don't, I don't even necessarily dislike Tony storm. I, I don't. And I've said this in the last episode too. I just feel like her matches just kind of go through the motions and Zaya is the same way. There's no real rhyme or reason for half the stuff she does. She just kind of you know, I'm wrestling, so I should do this sort of thing. There's no real intensity to anything she does. She has no sense of urgency. Zai, Zai, I will say that Tony is, when it comes to urgency and, and you know, not wasting any emotions, I feel like Tony is better than Zaya. Zaya has this issue where she just smiles through everything and she's like, oh, I'm going to hit this move and I'm going to do this move. And it's just like, it's hard to get involved in these matches. I mean, even someone like, you know, like on the upper card, like Saya Ida, which we talk about a lot, she brings intensity, man. Like, yeah, she's only doing drop kicks, but like the way she presents them, Saya convinces me that she thinks she's going to win with these drop kicks. Like she goes in there, she's like, ah, ah, it's just like, you know, she's going to like, she's going to do something crazy. And, and Zaya just doesn't have that, I guess. Uh, you know, Tony ends up winning because she's Tony Storm and uh, hits a strong zero power driver. She gets the W there, but uh, it just wasn't anything crazy. I'm going to skip this match because I wasn't interested in it in the least bit. And uh, it's whatever. So we move on to QQ versus TCS. We have uh, Leo, Utami, Momo, Azumi, and B. Pristoli. And they're facing off against Hannah, Jungle, Bobby. Bobby, you know how to say it. Konami and Zoe. So Konami at the beginning of this match, she ends up asking the question that I think a lot of us were wondering the answer to. She asked Bobby, what's up with those glasses you got there? Are your eyes bad? What's going on here? This is the, you know, maybe, maybe I'm alone. I doubt it, but I have been wondering that too. What in the world are those glasses? What is the, what is the point? What is happening here? You know what I mean? Uh, it's just interesting. But I, I don't know. You know, she just asked the question. Bobby, of course, doesn't speak one single lick of Japanese. So she just stood there. And, you know, we're never going to know if she just has, you know, maybe an affliction to light. She's like a vampire. It's like the episode of The Office where Jim convinced Dwight that he got bit by a, a bat and it's turned to a vampire. The question may never be answered. Sadly, until she learns Japanese or Konami can convince Hannah to ask about the glasses. Uh, Kiona actually came out in new gear here and she got a new gun. Like this was the show that she ends up debuting everything. She actually came out in the new gear a couple of shows ago, but she came out with the entrance attire and she's got the new gun and everything like that. Um, which is, was it, was it actually this show that she came out with? I think maybe it was the next show that she came out with all this stuff. I'm trying to remember exactly the time that she did it because I know that there was a show where Jungle came out with the jacket and the gown and I'm I didn't I don't think I actually wrote that down which show she came out with all the attire on and stuff. Okay, 
I did write it down. So uh, Jungle came out with her gear, her gear minus the jacket and the gown and everything on this show. Um, she didn't come out with the jacket and everything like that until uh, the Takauka show on July 7th. So she actually came out with her pink and white attire on the Osaka show, uh, the day one, when she was doing uh, QQ versus TCS, she just didn't wear any of her any of her other stuff. But she came out in this, uh, you know, this new outfit she's got going on here. It's very similar to Konami's. Just, you know, it's similar, but they're they're different if you look at them. Her face paint is pink. Her outfit is white and pink. And honestly, like, I think this is super dope. I think this works for her. I think it's cool. Um, I don't know how long she'll keep. I'm, I was wondering this. I'm like, I guess eventually she can go back to the old jungle paint and stuff like that. I'm just wondering how long she'll, if this is like a big change for her, like lifelong or what she plans to do. I mean, I personally, you know, I'm going, I'm going on a trip to Japan here and I expect to go to a stardom show and I was going to figure out the Kiona face paint on my trip, but she's changing the colors up, man. I can't keep up. Hopefully she don't change them again, but I think what I'm going to do anyways, I'm just going to go the old Kiona face paint route just because that's that's what i'd already planned on and everything I, of course i could change it's got six months or so until i go but uh another thing i noticed here is she didn't do the jungle shout <sighs> you know there are very few things in my life that bring me any sort of excitement or happiness and the jungle shout was one of them and uh she doesn't do that anymore she ditched that now she just does the gun thing you know, I don't know if this is an attempt to maybe get people to take Jungle more serious. It honestly makes me kind of sad that people didn't take, or at least the way that Rossi saw it, that people didn't take Jungle very serious when she was doing the things that she was doing before, which I think is wrong. I took Jungle very serious. I think if you, I think the second the bell rang and you see Kiona run at somebody and hit him with a leliato, I think you understand that things are a little serious. Um. But I don't know. I still I still feel it's a little weird. It's a lot. It's a lot all at once, man. It truly is. It's a lot all at once that she changed. Um, but of course, as we get into the match, everything's cool. It was just a lot. I was just like, mm. <laughs> um, but Hannah, she's cool, man. You know, she's cool. She, she's, she's, she's all right. You know, she didn't even let Momo get her entrance. She, she said she's fine. She doesn't, she doesn't care about no Momo. She don't care about nothing. In the middle of the, the QQ entrance, Hannah just said, I'm going to attack you. I'm going to beat the brakes off of you. She bum rushed her, gave her the work. It's sort of like a jungle shout, you know, not not much shouting, more ass kicking, but I'll take it. That works okay. It, it's like I said before, I still think they're kind of moving towards a Hannah and Momo match for the big belt, or at the very least, the five-star Grand Prix, uh, just because the way they're, they're playing this out. And I'll be honest with you, they got, they. I don't want to curse there. Trying try not to. I'm trying to be a good Christian man. <laughs> good Christian boy. I think that Hannah and Momo have ridiculous chemistry. Truly. I think that every time they even get near each other, there's just this special feeling. They start beating the hell out of each other, and it's just crazy. So we, we end up getting to the end of the stretch of this match here. Bobby pins Leo with a bicycle kick, which was rude and uncalled for, to be completely honest. I mean, look. Leo would take a bump off of a truck of like half-eaten popsicle sticks into like 10 knives. And she would get back up and say, do it again. And you're telling me that she lost to Bobby Tyler? <laughs> Rossi, you done lost your damn mind. I guess technically they had to give Bobby something, a little bit of credibility before they go into their, their tag team title match on the night show. But 
Really, Rossi? Are you serious? You kidding me? So after this match where TCS ended up picking up the W, Hannah grabs the mic and she goes, uh, you know, we got a couple of title matches coming up, y'all. We got this, we got we got Hannah, Hannah and Bobby. And then we got Kiona and uh, Konami and the Nagoya show. And then she also looked at Jungle Kiona in her new outfit and she said, Jungle, you kind of look like Dodoria from Dragon Ball Z. And uh, Kiona did not like that. She attacked Hannah. And uh, that popped me huge, man. One, because Hannah knows who Dodori is. And I guess maybe I should expect that. Toriyama's work is really popular in Japan. It's really popular in the States. Most people know who Dodori is. Actually, I take that back. Most people probably don't remember Dodoria, which is even, which is maybe a little even more crazy to me. Most people you talk to about Dragon Ball Z, yeah, the Boo Saga, man, Majin Buu. The Cell. They definitely don't ever bring up Dodoria. So, like, just seeing her mention Dodoria is, like, nuts. And because, two, Kiona's reaction to it was great. They just have, like, TCS just seems like fucking, like, sweet friends. And, like, that's all you can ask for out of a stable like this. And I think that's, like, really dope. Like, seeing them hang out and, and talk and have a good time and being able to joke with each other like that is cool, man. So we move on to the main event, which sees stars face off against Soetotai. We have Mayu, Arisa, and Saki versus Kagetsu, Hazuki, and Natsu. Which we have another match and a uh, another non-subtitle Natsu match. So, hey, if you, you know, <laughs> look, man, it, I wouldn't even be asking for this if you didn't give us a subtitle match before. Now I'm just going to ask for it every single time. You done messed up. You, if you, you, you know, you put in a little extra work and now I expect you to put in a little extra work every single time. At least the crowd seemed to be having a good time with this match, you know. I would also maybe like to have a good time. Hello. I'm looking in the camera right now and this is an audio only thing because I'm just so used to looking into the camera. Hello. You know, maybe give me a good time. That'd be cool. Hey, subtitle the Natsu matches. That'd be neat. Be great. Appreciated. Very much so. Natsu's like one of my favorite people in the car and I like to be able to understand what you're saying. I guess I'm just going to hit the books, man. I'm going to have to hit the books. I'm going to have to get me, I'm going to have to get back in. Uh, you know, I'm learning hiragana, but I didn't start learning any words yet because I'm still trying to learn Doc Tens and Han Doc Tens because that shit's tough. But once I start learning words, I'm going to start subtitling Natsu stuff myself. I'm going to do it for the people. I'm a man of the people. The people's chant. They call them. Nobody calls it that, but you can imagine. So we had Natsu in this match who, uh, <laughs> she actually pulled a move from, uh, if you guys watch my fire promoter stuff, I, she, so in Fire Promoter, we have, Nar okay, yeah, and I'm not kidding about this. We have Naruto Uzumaki, who is a uh, anime character, and uh, he is like one of the number one people in the company. He's the ace of the junior heavyweights. He's transitioned over to heavyweight. He's done pretty damn well. And Naruto does this move literally all the time, but he only does it against female characters, which actually started a stable in our Fire Promoter where uh, Joseph Parks or Abyss, if you guys remember from TNA, Joseph Parks was a lawyer that Abyss, it was like a split personality. So he started his own group called Class Action and it was Joseph Parks and every single girl that Naruto dropped his nuts into her mouth and they became a stable and they are out to seek revenge against Naruto. And that is my fire promoter. And I promise you, if you haven't seen it, you would absolutely fall in love with it. Maybe I should do it a little more than I do. I only do it like once a month, but it's, it's dope. You would like it. Uh, but the the idea is basically, we call it the Naruto because he literally just sits on their face. He's just like, mm, this will work. And that's a pin. And I'll be damned if Natsu actually, she did this move to Orisa in this match. 
she just literally sat on her face. Like I popped so big for that. And I don't think anyone else probably did. But like to me, I was just like, holy shit. Like this is like literally the move that Naruto does. That's nuts. So we have Mayu and Kagetsu who are also in this match. And they've been working each other a ton recently. Mayu and Kagetsu have been working a hell of a lot. Uh, and they always kind of do. But like recently, like they've always like these tags, they're, they're working each other a lot. Um, and they're, and it's crazy because they're truly one of a kind. Both of them are, you know, the wrestling world is just better for having Kagetsu and Mayu just existing. You know, I'm glad that Kagetsu didn't end up retiring because she had contemplated it a few years ago. Uh, thankfully she didn't because she's just, I really, if she left stardom would, whew, that'd be rough. Um, I heard that Mayu is considering retiring and that kind of lines up with her looking for a talent to take under her wing. I don't know if you guys read about that. We talked about it, I believe on another episode, um, where Mayu is looking for a student to kind of teach. It'll be interesting to see if that ever happens, you know? Uh, but anyone that trains with Mayu Iwatani has the potential to be like incredible, just absolutely nuts. Uh, just cause Mayu is just incredible. So we get towards the end of this match here with Stars and Tai. Natsu looks like she's about to uh, end Saki, but Hazuki just kind of hits Natsu by accident. And of course, Saki gets the pin and uh, pins Natsu, sadly. We were so close to another Natsu victory. But thankfully, things kind of pick up. I guess because we had to give a give and take here. Andras won, so Natsu couldn't. You know, We were close, but Stars picks up the W here. So that ends up the uh, Osaka Day show before we head into the night show here. Uh, and if I, so I'm going to give you guys my best match, my best moment, and of course, an overall show rating if there is one, but I think the main event was solid. I think like best match out of this was definitely stars versus Oedo tie. If I had to have a best moment, it was definitely Hannah calling jungle Kiona Dodori over in Dragon Ball Z. That was absolutely number one. So we go on to, uh, the Osaka night show and there was no pre-tapes for this entire show, which is really weird because usually they have pre-tapes. I believe that. Now, I don't, I don't exactly remember, um, I don't exactly remember if every night show has them. I think the, the ones that I watched recently do, uh, but they're usually like really half-assed. They're just like, Hey, Osaka, I'm going to try my best. <laughs> so it's not like the end of the world, but damn, this show flew by without the pre-tapes and everything. Like, bam, 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 bam. So we started off with Leo and Ozaki versus Zaya Brookside is the first match. I already knew it was going to happen before I even clicked the fucking play button. And I already knew I was going to be upset. I was upset. Zaya Brookside ends up pinning Leo in this match. Because Triple H said so, motherfucker. Yeah, that's right. You're going to lay down. You're going to lay down for Zaya. That's right. That's ah, got me all messed up. Zaya, Dan, she's... Like I said, she does all the moves. She's She does all the moves. She's not bad at the moves. She's pretty clean at the damn moves. Like, she's good. But she is just like... She has zero emotion whatsoever. Yeah, she's a bubbly baby face, but like she's got no emotion other than like I'm I am happy to be here. And I think it's good that 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 Zaya wants to be here. You know, I'm glad that she wants to you know, that's something too, is like sometimes you can tell when people exactly don't want to be on a tour. Tony seemed like that the first time around. But Zaya looks happy to just be in stardom which I can appreciate, but you know, she just sort of does her spot, stands up, does her next spot, smiles, does her next spot. 
She's like, oh, okay. Yeah, this is this is it. And of course, she ends up beating Leo because Triple H, you motherfucker. You think this is a joke? You think that Leo won't go over there with her IWA Mid-South pants and beat the brakes off of you? Think again, Paul. So the second match, we had Oedo Tai, and they're facing off against stars. We had Kagetsu, Andras, and Natsu versus Tom, Starlight Kid, and Saeeda. Uh Another show. Another subtitle is Natsu match. Uh, look, man. I'm trying to help the people. I'm going to help the people. But I'm going to need at least four, maybe five years. And four to f- four, maybe five. Oh, fuck. Natsu probably going to retire by that point. She's like my age. So I don't know what's going to happen with that. Well, she's staying. She's for the time being, she's staying a freelancer. So I guess we'll see. Hopefully she doesn't. Give me time. I'll learn. I promise you I'll learn. I'll figure things out. I promise you. And some good news. Uh, you know, we we definitely needed some good news after Natsu match. Not subtitled. Starlight Kid did the Goo Goo Gaga splash. I feel like it's been ages. I feel like I have not said that Starlight Kid did the Goo Goo Gaga splash from the second rope since like episode like two. It's been nuts. It feels like it's been forever. It had to have been at least a month since I've seen her do this damn move, and it's fantastic news. I hope she continues to use her little baby goo goo gaga splash. She's like, I'm gonna beat you with this splash. I mean, she's not, but like, she definitely thinks she is, and that's that's something. Speaking of people who uh, think they're gonna beat people, Sayaida continues with her barrage of drop kicks. And I assume by the time that she breaks out another move that is not a drop kick, uh, you know, she'll just be the absolute dawn of drop kicks because she's getting damn good at them. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what happened in between when she started and now. Maybe it's because she literally only does drop kicks and forearms, but she's getting a damn good drop kick. Like you see some people throw drop kicks and then you see Saeed and you're like, yes, she is indeed very good at this. She throws a man. She's going to kick your ass. We had Tom and uh, Kigetsu on the top rope at one point in this match. And uh, <laughs> so I don't even know what was... I, honestly, I was confused why they were even up there. And then uh, <laughs> a couple of things happened here. Fucking brain, bo- brain buster off the top rope, first off. And that's just the first thing. What was even more mental was Kigetsu said, uh, you know what, man? I'm going to do this fighting spirit spot and then I'm going to get kneed in the fucking shit. And she just said, uh, you know what? Don't even care, man. Don't even care. Not even a little bit. Kagetsu was going nuts in this match. Tom ends up answering, of course. Um, she had a Samoan driver of her own there, uh, but it was just like a super sweet fighting spirit spot. Brain buster off the top. I was like, bro, what's happening right now? And why is this happening in the second match on a Osaka night show? I was like, you know, I knew there was a reason I watched these shows. You know, I knew there was a reason I watched these shows. So we get towards the end of the match and Natsu actually gets the pin. Things are looking up, baby. I'm saying I'm, I'm super excited to get to the artist match, I believe, which is on the July 20th show, which saw, um, Natsu, I think, ended up picking up the pin for the artist titles, if I remember correctly. So I'm super excited to get to that because I've been Natsu is like one of my top people on this entire show. So like I'm excited just to see her get the W. You know, she hit a rampage on Saeeda, which is crazy because she barely even hits the rampage and she's starting to hit it more and more. You know, it's Natsu time, dude. 
Things are taking over. The queen is taking over for the 9-9 of the 2000s. She's been flexing hella crazy lately. You know, I even mentioned a few shows ago that Natsu has just been going nuts. You know, she's not even signed full-time yet. I assume that eventually she will. I definitely see her signing full-time at some point because, you know, she's got titles. Things are going up. They're giving her W's. Now, if we could just subtitle the matches. Anybody. Please. For the love of God, Sonny, please. Don't ask for much, man. Don't ask for much. Just want to be able to hear what she's saying. I hope that she does a speech after she wins the titles and, there's, and it's subtitled. I would like to hear what she has to say about that. So we move on to a tag team match. We got B, Priestoli, and Azumi. And she's facing off against Suzuki and Natsuko Tora. Uh, B continues her streak of getting streamers, by the way. She's picking up uh, a, little, uh, a little stream. <laughs> Please don't click off the podcast. Just... I, I won't say that again. I apologize. Anytime we get Hazuki and Azumi in the ring, though, it's a great time. Honestly, this match was no different. I always love seeing them start the matches off. Like, they immediately just run full force at each other, and you know it's about to be just absolutely ridiculous. Like, they're really about to go go crazy. Absolutely bonkers. <laughs> and honestly, this match was mostly Azumi taking and doing, which was kind of cool. Like, the spotlight was definitely on Azumi in this match. Uh, B had a fantastic transition in this one into a ring of Saturns. Uh, Azumi had an absolutely nuts reversal that she did out of Natsuko's F crash. Like it was beautiful. The girls were, they were working, working in this match. And, uh, Azumi even kicked out of Natsuko's frog splash, which, Hey, here's the thing though. I'll be damned. We talked about this for a while, but Natsuko is actually bringing back the guillotine leg drop. She beat Azumi with it too. And this is the kind of news that I'm talking about back from the grave. Like it ain't nothing. Keep it coming, man. Keep it coming. Because if there is one thing that I will mark for every time, it is a guillotine leg drop from the top rope. I was watching uh, I was watching bull matches the other night, and I'll be damned, dude. Like, if Nasco can even get half of the, the viciousness that Bull Nakano could bring to the table with the guillotine leg drop, she's got something here. I'm just saying. So keep them coming, Nasco. Keep them coming. Unless, you know, if you're facing Jungle Kiona, then maybe... Maybe not. Maybe don't do that at all. Keep that to yourself. But Oedo Tai ends up picking up the W of Zumi taking another pin because she's just taking pin after pin after pin, people. So we move on to Stars versus TCS. We have Tony, Arisa, and Saki and Mayu versus Konami, Death, Jungle, and Zoe. Uh, Kiona, in, in, at the beginning of this match here, before they start and everything, they do all the introductions. Kiona walks over to Stars, and I thought, you know, for a second, she, she walked over there. I thought she was going to do the jungle shout. It looked like she wanted to do the jungle shout, and then she didn't. It almost feels like she's being held back. Like, Rossi was like, stop fucking doing the jungle shout, you dummy. You want to get pushed, don't you, huh? You want to get a push, don't you? He's like, I just want to do the jungle shout. You want to get a push, don't you? Uh, look, man. I'm a sad man. You write whatever you want about me. I just want a jungle shout. I just want Keon to look and be, and be excited. I don't ask for much. Uh, Zoe, uh, okay, so let me... We're talking about the Zoe thing here, all right? We're gonna talk about the Zoe thing. Right? She does this real weird spot where, like, she sits the opponent down, then she sits down, and then she spreads their legs and like pushes them out. I don't know if I like this spot or not. I haven't decided yet because it look it's very contrived. Honestly, it's very very bad. <laughs> is the word I'm looking for here. Um, at least Death Yamasan got into the mix here and helped it out a little bit. Yeah, that, I, you know, death just kind of 
fixes everything. You know, all hell death. You know what I'm saying? If I had to choose, like I said, between the few guys in there there right now, like Zoe and Jamie are it. But I don't know about this spot exactly. I've seen it a few more times. She did it another time, but it's just like she sits down. They look at her like, yeah, go ahead and do the move to me. It's like just stand up forehead. I don't know. It's just like I said, very contrived. Uh, at the end of the match, Tony ends up hitting Zoe with the strong zero power driver and picks up the win because it's Tony fucking Storm and Triple H said so. He said you're going to win. So you know how that went. We move on to the main event of the night show, which is the Goddesses of Stardom title on the line. Utami Hayashista and Momo Watanabe versus Hannah Kamara and Bobby Tyler. Bobby Tyler. <laughs> I mean, we all knew like, okay, when Stardom does this, you know, we knew that before the bell even rang that TCS had no chance in hell walking out with the titles here. Uh, one, because I don't see Hannah holding the tag titles right now. If anything, she's going to be holding a singles belt. Um, you know, she held the artist thing, but they dropped them. And then I, I just see Hannah doing more than this right now. She could technically hold the singles belt and the t- tag team title belts. I mean, Momo did it, but uh, I just see Hannah not doing this right now. Uh, I was just excited to see Hannah and Momo beat the shit out of each other. Honestly, that's just what I was kind of looking for here. We kick this one off with a test of strength, which popped me super huge as your resident test of strength, Mark. I love it so much. I just love it. Uh, it ended up with Hannah spitting in Momo's face at the end of the test of strength. And you can already tell that this match is about to get nuts. You spit in her face, things are going to happen. All right. You can tell that uh, whatever whatever happens at the end of this match is not the end of Momo and Hannah. Hannah is still just as vicious as she's ever been. She doesn't look vicious, and then she gets in the match, and she's, oh, yeah. Things change a little bit. That little stretch she pulls out, that octopus stretch move you've seen a thousand times, and, like, this just looks completely different. Hannah has completely just transformed this move. Absolutely insane. Uh, Utami ends up locking in a uh, headlock in this match, which usually is nothing to talk about, but... This is another move that you've probably seen a thousand times. And this is something that I think wrestling starting to uh, kind of forget a little bit more so in mainstream Western wrestling too. Um, not so much pro rest, but definitely in Western wrestling, but this is a move you've seen a thousand times, right? And uh, Hannah was selling it. And that's something you don't see very often. Most of the times when you see a headlock in Western wrestling, they don't sell it very good. They're just kind of down there so they can talk about the next spot that they're going to do. Um, and I thought that this was dope, which is fucking weird to say <laughs> that I thought a headlock spot was dope, but like it was because Hannah was actually selling it like she could lose. She was gasping for breath and she was trying to get away like the best she could. And she was just trying to figure out how to get out of this. And how many times have you seen a headlock spot in WWE and they just sit in it and they zoom in and they're talking and you could tell they're talking and they just hold it out and he puts his hand up. He's like, Oh, I got to get out of this. Like, it never looked like this spot. Just super simple things that like kind of get lost in translation as time goes on. That like hellock spots like this, the test of strength stuff. You never see any of this shit in like any Western wrestling. Uh, you don't see anything like um, you just don't see simple things played out like this. Like when Austin Aries was doing this sort of stuff during his X Division run. I can't remember the year it was. I guess it was 2011 to 2012. Was it? Was it Destination X 2012 where he faced Bob Rude? I can't remember. Can't remember the exact year. I got too much wrestling shit in my head. But there was the run where Aries was X Division champ and he was just having good match after good match after good match. It's just like, well, why? Like, he's not doing anything special. He's just like wrestling to win matches. And that's something that I feel like has kind of gotten lost. You know, and maybe, and that's just in like the Western way that 
pro wrestling has kind of done storytelling. There's not a lot of storytelling in the actual ring itself. You know, like people always talk about like, well, that match right there had no damn storytelling. Psychology in wrestling is as simple as I want to win this match and I will win this match. And I feel like sometimes um, maybe it's lost in translation a little bit. I think people are looking for more than what's there. Um, you know, simple things like finishers and stuff like finishers are literally just a storytelling tool to kind of, you know, help, help you along, kind of explain to people like, you know, I need to get to this move to win this match. Um, and things like a headlock spot should, you know, I'm putting in this headlock because I can, you know, put you to sleep. I can beat you here and they should sell it like they're about to lose, you know, like, oh shit. I've wound up in a quite a predicament and I just feel like simple wrestling stuff has kind of like fallen by the wayside, not in pro rest, but you know, more so talking about Western wrestling in general, um, which, you know, Joshi was something when I started watching it that I had a lot of this old school storytelling stuff kind of thrown into the mix here. And same with just, uh, you know, regular pro rest. It's just like old school storytelling attempts that like you don't see very often. And, even if you do see them, they're not they're not presented very well. Uh, they're just like they don't translate very well, and maybe that's just because things have changed so much in the Western wrestling scene, especially with especially with the way that WWE presents television. You know, they're definitely not in the pay per view business anymore. They're more so in the television business, and uh, the matches have commercials in them, and you have to do this and you have to do that, and it's just a really weird way to present wrestling and maybe that's why i fall i fell out of it so hard was like this doesn't feel like i don't know this doesn't feel right <laughs> i guess i don't know it's just like i'm looking for different stuff you know what i mean um it was just something like very simple that made me just start questioning things here and there uh which was you know something very interesting i thought i'd talk about so anyways uh during this guys as a starter match uh you know we had we had uh utami try to lock in a couple of, of torture racks on Bobby Tyler, but none of them seem to put her away. And then Tommy's like, you know what then, bitch? I'm going to do a torture rack bomb. You're going to die. You know, you should have just lost. You should have just lost in the first place. Um, and of course, she ends up picking up the W after the torture rack bomb. But I didn't give this one a recommended, but like it was it was actually a really solid tag team match. It had a lot going for it. Uh, Utami looked good. Uh, Momo and Hannah beat the hell out of each other. Bobby kind of existed, but at least she sold the torture rack bomb, okay? <laughs> um but before we even get to the champions holding the belts, uh, TCS hits the ring and they said, give me them damn belts. So we got uh, Kiona and Konami in the ring and Utami and Kiona are just fucking bashing heads, dude. Bad blood, brother. There's only, there's only room for one singular power wrestler out here, okay? There's only one room and her name is Jungle Kiona, baby. You understand me. So that was dope. You know, we got the match coming up here on, uh, well, <laughs> coming up here for me. Because I gotta catch up, but you know, on the July fifteenth, we're way past that now. But I'm excited to uh, I'm excited to get to that. So the best match of the evening was easily Utami and Momo versus Hannah and Bobby. The main event was super solid. If I had to go for a best moment, I think that Natsuko kind of confirming that she's bringing back the guillotine leg drop, super dope. Like that a lot. Didn't give it any show rating, just like the previous one. But you know, th these are definitely worth watching for sure. So we move on to the uh, Shimane. 623 show which was the Saki homecoming and like I said this was kind of disappointing man um there were some high spots but for the most part I was just like none of this is kind of clicking for me so we start off with the first match of the evening which is Zaya Brookside and Saya Ida 
And, you know, I will say one thing about Zaya here. Her theme song is a banger. It fits her perfectly. Like, literally. Like, it was always made for her. Literally made for her. Nuts. I like it. Uh, Zaya and... Zaya and Saya <laughs> shake hands, which might be a first for Saida because usually she's always left out there in the dust. Nobody shakes her damn hand for some reason. There's also this really weird, and this kind of, I think, maybe helped make it not super great. But this is also uh, a very weird noise going on in the background constantly. Like, it's like the AC is cranking or there's some sort of white noise thing. It happens the entire fucking show. So that's a little bit of a bummer, but... I mean, it didn't take away too much, but it definitely was annoying. Um, Zaya didn't dominate this one as clearly as I thought she was going to, especially because she dominated the one against Leo, but she ended up, of course, picking up the W. She had a code breaker, or as WB likes to call it now, the double knees to the face. <laughs> Petty. So Zaya ends up pinning her and, and picking up the W. Zaya should have just shot on him, bro. Let me go ahead and take her down and hit her a couple of drop kicks. Hey, I'm going to teach you something right now, Paul. We had a three-way battle between Leo Onozaki, Death Yamasan, and Natsu Sumire. Dude, this match was sick. This was like really, really like a very solid match. They got super creative. The spots were were crazy. Like Death had Leo in his leg lock at one point, and like Natsu would keep knocking Death down, and she was trying to break up the hold. But as she was knocking Death down, all it did was tighten the hold. So like Natsu's like inadvertently hurting Leo and Death at the same time. It was it was cool. It was really cool. Uh, Leo ends up doing a double pin on both Natsu and Death at the same time, which was sick. You could tell they put a lot of thought into this. Like that pin was actually really clean. They they really they really thought this one out. And all of the three way battles that they do here in Stardom are really damn good. They're very creative. They try to come up with something new every time, and uh, I can respect that, man. That's super sick. Uh, Natsu ends up hitting Leo with a cutie special, and then she locks in like this full Nelson leg lock thing. I've never seen her use it before. I think this is the first time, but I, you know, Natsu picks up the W. I don't care what she uses to get it. Natsu is getting the moon shoes, man. All the way to the fucking moon, dude. I'm so happy. So happy. Like, you can go back a few episodes, me talking about Natsu. Like, this is dope to me. Like, this is awesome. I think everyone, I think everyone has a little bit, at least a little bit of love for Natsu. She's just fantastic, man. She's a great worker. She just knows what she does at it and she does it best. And it's just, it's cool, man. I got no clue what this full Nelson leg lock thing is, but until we get a name, I'm going to dub this move the pervert lock. That's what it's going to be called. Until we get an actual name, that's what it's called. So Natsu ends up winning, baby. Let's get it. We get, we go to the uh, tag team match. And uh, it's Tony Storm and Arisa Hoshiki versus Bobby Tyler and Zoe. I keep wanting to call her Zoe. Zoe Lucas. We have uh, Tony time, or as the announcer likes to say, Issa Tony time. <laughs> Issa Tony time. Arisa has got uh, a little bit of her Tony swag on, you know. She's got the face paint and the glasses, and she's doing the, manner the mannerisms and stuff like that. Stardom girls love to do the Tony Storm thing, dude. They just love it. It's their favorite. Uh, I, and I was thinking about this as this match was going on. I seriously cannot even remember the last time that I've seen Tony Storm get pinned. It's had to be a couple of years. I don't know. It feels like Tony has spent most of her career going over, which is sort of insane to think about. And it's interesting to see the trajectory of her career compared to other people's careers. Like, I feel like Tony from the start has just kind of been going over and over and over and over. Like, she pretty much just came in and dominated like pretty much everything which is nuts to think about. Um, I would also like to say to Bobby Taylor that, hey, that catapult flatliner thing you do, it actually look good here. So like maybe that's probably even the best one you've done in Stardom so far. So thumbs up, man. Good job. Uh, Arisa ended up sort of whiffing a shining impact knee at the end of this one, but 
you know, she had to put a little spunk on the next one. Uh, Bobby Tyler probably felt that the next day. But she ends up hitting that next one and uh, puts away Bobby Tyler and picks up the win. Not anything too crazy, but it was all right. Uh, we move on to QQ versus Oedotai, which is Momo, B, Azumi, and Utami versus Andras, Hazuki, Kagetsu, and Natsuko. And uh, we go to the pre-tape, and I love that we went from Andras being the only person in Oedotai who didn't talk to being the only person in Oedotai to talk. It's kind of crazy. Uh, Kagetsu isn't wearing a shirt in this match, so she, you know she's taking it a little bit serious. You can always tell when Kagetsu's not taking it. She's got the... She's got the um, Tetsuya Naito approach. You can always tell when she's not taking it very seriously. And I think it's because she's in the ring with Azumi. I think that's probably the reason. You can't fool me. I know what's going on here. Uh, speaking of Azumi and Kagetsu, they got a uh, super cool spot in this match that saw Kagetsu just selling like a mad woman for Azumi. And you know what? I have to respect the hustle. You got you got to make the future Oedo type prospect look as good as possible. You, I know what's going down here. Hey, I know what's going down. Of course, in the end, Kagetsu is the prime minister. So she hits up, she ends up hitting the Oedo coaster on Azumi and picks up the W. So even though she loves her some Azumi, she's not afraid to put her down when she needs to be put down. And everyone in QQ is kind of super protected right now, except for Azumi. So I assume that's why she takes most of these pins and these tags. Like you can't have Momo, Utami, or B go out there and lose. So you have Leo and Azumi kind of taking the uh, taking the losses here. It kind of sucks to see. I feel like QQ might need a new Gaijin to come through and take some of these falls. They did. I guess they're adding Riho to the mix, but it's not like Riho's going to be out here taking falls. So it's just going to it's going to continue falling back down to Azumi and uh, and Leo, which is Azumi's getting to the point where like she needs something else. I don't think it's yet, but I definitely think in the next year or two, like Azumi needs either she needs to go to a new faction, which she should go. You know, Oedo Tai is obviously is obviously the obvious one. Or she can go to, you know, anything else. I just kind of feel like unless something changes with the dynamic of QQ, Azumi's just going to keep taking falls because no one else can take them. Um, and Leo's not in the point. Leo's got a few years at least where she can continue to keep taking falls. But Azumi is like, it's getting to the point where it's just like, damn it, dude. Like, I want to see Azumi, you know, win. And it's getting to that point And uh, I don't know. Like, definitely something changes at some point in the future here. So we move on to the Artist of Stardom titles, which main events this uh, Shimane show, which is Mayu, Saki, and Tom versus Konami, Kiona, and Hana. Hannah, keep forgetting she <laughs> does the English pronunciation of her name. Uh, Stars versus TCS. Of course, Saki comes out here. She's got the new black gear. Homecoming is crazy. The sky fucking opened up as the streamers just fell from the heavens. Saki got, uh, like, I already knew going into this, like, you know, it, it, Shinkiba Saki streamers are nuts, but I already knew at the homecoming it was going to be even crazier, and it was. Um, her new black gear, like I said, looked great. It's a good change of pace from the white gear she was wearing. I think it looked great. She, she, I mean, she definitely got that down. TCS also came out here. They had their little TCS branded bandanas, and I'm going to need y'all to put those up on the store. If anyone's got some of those on the store, why don't you someone sell those to me? I have the money to hand you right now. Take my money. I want one of those bandanas. Do it for me, baby. TCS got Saki like this little bouquet thing, which was nice to, you know, they beat the shit out of her with the bouquet, which kind of expected, but still funny nonetheless. They had a good, uh, you know, for the beginning or so, beginning half or so, they had a pretty good back and forth here. Super sweet triple German suplex spot from Konami that uh, Saki ended up kicking out of, which was super sweet. Saki, at the end of the match, ended up attempting what looked like a variation of a ghetto clutch, but it sort of got muffed up, and then Saki just kind of held down Konami. Like, 
she got Konami into this like ghetto clutch thing, but ended up not kind of, it was sort of a blown finish to be honest, which sucks because the match wasn't that bad. And then, you know, they were really trying to work something out, especially for Saki, especially because it was a big moment for Saki, you know, pinning Konami at the homecoming and her being there. And I'm happy for her, but the show was kind of weak, man. I don't think it would have been as bad if the finish of the main event wasn't blown, but I felt like it was definitely nothing special. Like even comparing it to Konami's homecoming, I don't think it was even close. I don't think like, I don't think they put on a weak show on purpose or anything. I think it's just sort of how it worked out in the end. I'm just kind of glad that Saki still had a good time and she was smiling. She was happy to be there and things kind of worked out. She won the titles. I mean, if this were like any any other, if this were WWE, Saki would have got flat out destroyed in her hometown, sent home crying, then would have beat her over the head with a brick. Thankfully, it's not. And, uh, you know, I can respect what they did here. So, Oedo Tai comes out afterwards and they challenge Stars for the new belts. Stars said, uh, well, you're not going to win if you face us because we're going to break the record for most defenses. But sure, go ahead and try. Um, so, this already happened, of course. And Oedo Tai ends up picking up the win. I think this is on the July 20th show, Kagetsu's Homecoming. Um, I'm excited to talk about that when we get there because not so good the best, baby. Uh, well, I guess it's not even really Kagetsu's homecoming. It's just the 20th show in Osaka. It's just Kagetsu's also from Osaka and she just wanted, you know, a match. So uh, not really a homecoming, but you know what I mean? So for uh, the Shimane show, I think the best match would probably have to go to Natsu, Death, and Leo. That triple threat was sick. Uh, and the best moment is not to get the moon shoes, baby. She getting that W. So I think the like the the literal the big takeaway from the Shimane show was uh, the three way battle. It was really really it was creative. It was cool. I enjoyed it a lot. So we move on to the Takauka show, which I always have a super hard time pronouncing, <laughs> just because it's a weird word. Um, but this is the first show of July on the seventh year. Uh, we start off with a singles match. We have Konami and Saida. Like I said, you know how these kind of things kind of go, but Saida's got a new haircut, so things are changing, baby. Hey! And this arena is really kind of interesting, honestly. Um, just because it's, it's, I don't know, they're super far away from the ring. Uh, they're trying to throw streamers into the ring, but like they're pretty far back. So like some of the streamers are just like missing the ring completely. They're not going anywhere. It was funny. But this crowd was super hot, dude. Like this crowd just wanted to see some stardom. I believe they come here once a year and they were super hot. Like they were ready to see some wrestling. Um, Saida actually gave Konami some trouble in this match, which was really cool to see. Sai even switched up her forearm game a little bit and it looked up, it looked fantastic. Like she did the alternating forearms, kind of like um, Tomohiro Ishii does. You know what I'm saying? Like the alternating right, left, right, left kind of thing. It came across great. In the end, though, Konami <laughs> Konami flattened this bitch like a pancake. Look, she went crazy. Konami hit this German suplex and her, my God. Road Dog got like a little spidey sense. He's sitting at home. He's just like hanging out and all of a sudden he's like, what was, what was that? Somebody get dropped on the neck from a German suplex. What's going on? It was crazy, man. It was crazy. Konami hit a German suplex and kicked your fucking head off. And yeah, I'm getting the win. So Konami, of course, picks up the win. But it was a fun match to get off the show. And the crowd was hot, man. They stay hot through this entire show, too. They're just, I'm telling you, they're happy, man. So we move on to another three-way battle. We have Jungle Kiona versus Suzuki versus Starlight Kid. And this is the show where Kiona comes out with all her new stuff. She's got the new jacket. She's got the new gown. She's got, you know, the gowns like tacked onto the back of the jacket with rhinestones and it says TCS and she's got this new gun. She's got this new white and pink attire. She's got this new face paint. She's got a new theme song. She's got a new theme song. There's no more random jungle noises. It's rough, man. It's rough. It's a lot. 
she came out to the crowd and there was this kid there. So Kiona's first instinct when she sees this kid cheering for her is, all right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to shoot you with this gun. And the kid fucking sold for the gun, dude. What an absolute legend. I was like, damn, this kid, you know what, man? You're cool in my books. So like I said, this was a lot for me to take in, honestly. I love Kiona before all the change just because she was Kiona, you know? I love the jungle shout, her theme, the way she acted. All of it was just kind of like super endearing. I thought it was really easy to get into or I thought it was cool. You know, it's just a lot of change all at once for me. I'm just gonna have to let it simmer down a little bit, try to figure out what's going on. If the end goal for all of this is Kiona getting like a big singles push and being taken more seriously and finally, finally getting a singles belt. Okay. I'm okay with it. You know, I'm going to miss all the small things that Kiona did before, but if this ends up and it gets her some sort of big push, take it more seriously. Maybe this is what Rossi needed to see. Then so be it, man. It ain't the end of the world. We had a good triple threat here. Kiona got all her big multi-woman spots in, like the double Boston Crab, and even threw down a double world strongest slam on her Mark Henry shit. Yeah, I'm be honest with you too. These three-way battles Stardom does, they always deliver. Kid even hit a sick jackknife pin out of nowhere. She hit like, uh, it was a Falcon arrow that Hazuki had hit, but uh, Kid ends up doing a jackknife. It was nuts, man. Like I, have a, I think I have a gif of him on Twitter. It's crazy. Uh, but Kiona ends up hitting the splash off the top rope on Starlight Kid, and she picks up the W. And Kiona, she always delivers in these three ways. I mean, she always delivers, period. But these three ways, I think Kiona is like, she's definitely like the the, the glue. She holds them together. It's, it's cool. So Kiona picks up the win here before we head into uh, a tag team match. We have Leo Onozaki and Utami Hayashista, and they're facing off against Saki Kashima and Zaya Brookside. It's Zaya's last show here on her stardom tour. She still doesn't know... <laughs> Not, to be fair to Zaya, I don't feel like anyone in Stars knows how to do it. So they ended up doing this new hand sign, which is like with their fingers instead of their hands. So they do it with their fingers and they're supposed to connect their index fingers or they're, they're supposed to connect the middle finger on their left hand to the index finger on their right hand. And then it's kind of like you make two peace signs with your hands and then you connect your middle finger on your left hand to your index finger on your right hand. And uh, it's simple, but for some reason, no one exactly understands how to do it in stars, and Zaya doesn't either. <laughs> she, for the beginning of the match, the pre-tape, the end of the match, she does not get this hand sign right one single time. So that was interesting. Um, but, you know, just also one more time, Saki's outfit, mwah, fucking sweet. I love the black and pink, and it just works. Um, you know, this was just a middle of the match, middle of the card match, tag team ordeal here. Um, Saki ends up hitting the double foot stomp on, uh, Leo, but you know, Zaya has got to go over. You saw, you're like, I saw this and I was like, okay, well, fuck, you know, cause Zaya's in this match. I knew, she, I knew that her team was probably going to pick up the win here. I don't think that she's as strict when it comes to it as Tony is, but I knew she was definitely going to be, you know, how it was going to be. I just really like the team of Utami and Leo. Like they had been kind of talking about teaming up on Instagram and stuff and they finally did it. And then of course they fucking lose. It's like, Ugh! Why? <laughs> so we have uh, TCS versus QQ as our fourth match here in Takauka. We have Hannah Kimura, Bobby Tyler, and Zoe Lucas versus B. Priestoli, Azumi, and Momo Watanabe. Again with the Hannah and Momo, man, I'm telling you. Also, I'd like to make a really quick uh, little tidbit of information. Azumi's belt is way too big for her waist. She's got that Mark Bell overhang, if you know what I'm talking about. She's got to get that tailored up. I'm going to get that belt a little bit shorter because you're going to hurt yourself eventually. Uh, I also like give a shout out to Zoe Lucas who does this like super dope leg lariat in the corner. 
which is also kind of funny to see because Eric Rowan does this exact same move and they cannot be further from the same person. But who knows? You know, maybe Big Red is actually Big Kawaii. Zoe's got some competition. I want to watch out for my man. My man's a little crazy. So Momo and Hannah in this match had their little segment. And man, I feel like I could watch Momo and Hannah forever. We'll see if that stays true. I feel like they're going to run this to the end of the year at least. Uh, you know, they'll be running this for quite a long time. But they have such a good natural chemistry. And like, they're just so good at just emotion display. Hannah is just next level. But Momo really brings it when she needs to. Hannah ends up locking in her die move to Azumi and makes her tap out. So another Azumi fall there for QQ. It was a good-ass match, though, man. It was dope. Azumi looked fantastic. Hannah and Momo killed it. Zoe's quite good, and Bobby Tyler was... She was there. So, DCS picks up the W here on this one, but uh, I could I could watch Hannah and Momo forever. And we move on to the main event of the show, the last match of the podcast review here. We have Oedo Tai versus Stars. It's Andras, Kugetsu, and Natsuko versus Mayu, Tony, and Alisa. So this is Tony's last match on her stardom tour. It's coming to an end. And of course, we know she's going to win this match. You knew that she was going to win this match. It still didn't take away from the match, though. But Triple H, you know, could you chill? Could you chill, man? We would really appreciate that. You know, at least Zoe gets to stay around for a little bit longer. But you know, chill with the undefeatables coming down here, you know? Uh, but Takalko is like super full on into this match. They're super over for Kagetsu. Uh, they, they absolutely fucking went crazy when when Kagetsu sprayed Daichi with the water. I mean, it was like Rock and Hogan level. You know, it was, it was that crazy. It was wild out here. We were going crazy. Kagetsu also isn't wrestling with a shirt on, so you know she's got respect for this crowd. You know, true legend. Making towns. It's the Oedo Taiwei. The crowd, super hot for the entirety of this match. They have a lot of love just for them being there, working their asses off. Fantastic match with a super great ending. Uh, Tony Storm ends up pinning Natsuko with a strong zero. Natsuko was nuts this entire match. She was literally on fire. Everything she was doing was just clicking. Like any, like a lot of the spots she does sometimes, sometimes they don't come across very great. They're kind of hit or miss. But dude, she was on fire this match. Everything she was doing was wonderful. The strikes were coming off perfect. The uppercuts were coming off nuts. The crowd was popping for everything. Andras came out of this looking great too. She was looking fantastic in this match. Just good stuff all around. Hot crowd. Happy, you know, they're just happy to be there and see them work. The girls said, fuck it, we're going to work even harder because of it. And it just, the outcome was just a lot of fun, man. It was just really, really good. And then, of course, Tony had to get the pin because, you know, Titan Sports or whatever. Hey, but it was a good match, man. I actually gave this one a recommended. I, I feel like people should check this one out for sure if you got some time. Uh, Stars picked up the win, uh, but super dope match. Girls worked super hard. Crowd was over. They were ready to see these, these girls perform, and they brought everything they had, and everybody came out looking better for it. So if I had to give a best match, I'm going to say I obviously Oedo Tai versus Stars. Definitely check that out if you have some time. The best moment would probably have to be Saida doing a neck bump off a German suplex. That shit was crazy. I'm telling you, the road dog spidey says, oh, what's going on? Maybe you can do the German suplex without dropping her on her neck. Huh? You think of that? <laughs> so out of the four shows, um, yeah, the, 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 the July show was definitely the one. Definitely, definitely the one. Uh, that I enjoyed the most, especially with the, the, the main event and everything. Like they, they were working, working. I thought that was cool, especially coming off a pretty weak, uh, homecoming show for, for, for Saki. No, you know, no, no fault to anything, it, especially not her. It's just kind of how things worked out. Um, but super dope. I, I, I enjoyed it. So now that we have gotten all the way through June, 
Uh, we should be able to get through July in like an episode or two. Uh, I think we have one, two, three, five shows left in July, and then we're caught up. I believe the 10th is the Corkin show, and then we're ready to go. So we're, we're, we're almost back on track. And once we're back on track, things will be a lot easier. Things will be coming out at a lot quicker rate, hopefully. Um, I'm just really behind and trying to catch back up and trying to watch five shows is a lot, especially when I try to keep up with those shows too. And things, you know, things just happen. I appreciate you guys for, for still hanging around, watching, listening. You know, I, I do appreciate that a lot. Um, if you guys would like to, if you're on iTunes or Spotify or wherever the case may be, if you're still around listening to this part, you're cute, very handsome, you're beautiful. Why don't you go ahead and leave a... Uh, five-star review on iTunes or whatever. I don't know. If you're watching on, listening on Spotify or whatever the case may be, you can do whatever you want. Um, but if you're on iTunes or Stitcher or I know some of them have star ratings and stuff, the best way to help the show right now is just leaving a cool rating, leaving a review that says that the host is super handsome, uh, a voice of an angel. He just His knowledge of Joshi Pro Rest is just unmatched, unrivaled. No one can touch him. And he's cute. Don't forget that part. I'd appreciate that. I want to thank you guys so much for watching this episode of Big Fight Feel. Uh, on the next one, like I said, we'll be covering a couple more shows here. We should be able to get... I want to get through the Nagoya show and the Natsu Osaka title win show. Maybe even the Korkin that was after that. Um, so we'll see how far we can get into it. But we should be finishing up July pretty soon. And we'll be back on track. So that's some good stuff. Anyways, thank you guys for watching once again. I hope that you guys... Uh, have a good rest of your day or evening or whenever you listen to this. And uh, I will catch you guys on the next episode of Big Fight Feel.